Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Turn with me over into the book of 1 Samuel uh, in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to speak to you just for a little while about uh, lost in the shuffle. And, uh, you know, for uh, have you ever realized that you uh, lost something in the shuffle? Maybe you have. Maybe you've been like me, but uh, maybe you had to move from one place to another, and you move everything. And, and uh, I don't know, Jody and I, we moved so many times. I don't know if it's 12 or, well, I don't know. She, she doesn't even want to count. Uh, but uh, over the years, you know, and, uh, and it seems like you always have that one thing that you've lost, Right. You, you put, you cover the boxes up, you tape them down, you say, you know what, uh, I'm ready to go. Got to stack all this stuff up here. And, and then you realize you lost this one item. And so then what do you do? You have to get the knife out and start cutting the packages open and start looking to see where that item was that you lost. It's lost in the shuffle. You can't find a thing. And then it's re- would really be bad if you lost your driver's license or social security card or something like that and uh, in the shuffle and you're and so you're trying to search for that stuff because then why you got you got to go to the bank and say hey you know what i i need to set up my account stuff and uh, and then or maybe you got to talk to the landlord and get set up for your to uh, for your uh, lease agreement and all those kind of things and you're trying to figure out what in the world do i do now you know it's one thing to lose your stuff in the shuffle, right? It's one thing. But, but have you ever felt lost in the shuffle? And I would say that most people would say they have at times. And it may be from a big change in your life, or it could happen because life moves on and you feel like it has moved without you. It could be uh, because uh, part of your family has had a great celebration and they were so happy yet your time hasn't come yet and uh, so you you feel like you're lost in the shuffle it's not that they don't see you uh, they do but it's like they don't uh, put two and two together and uh, to realize that you're actually there maybe you feel that way at times there's something uh, sometimes it's their problem sometimes it's it's your problem Uh, other times it can actually be God's timing. And we must not forget that. Because sometimes we think it is about us as individuals when in reality it's about God's timing. Uh, do you, you, you do have to realize that God always has his hand on your pulse. Some feel so lost in the shuffle they think that God wouldn't even notice if they were gone. But that is not true. It's just simply not true. Lost in the shuffle, is a, it's an idiom. It's a, it's a saying that we use to show how someone is not noticed or given attention because there are so many other people or things at hand and uh, they, to deal with. And many families can face this. For example, if they have uh, maybe eight older kids, you know, the two, two youngest are not going to get the attention that the rest of the ones, uh, the older ones do. And some of those can be, seem like they're forgotten. And sometimes people feel like God has forgotten them. But, but we see this kind of situation here in the Bible in 1 Samuel in chapter 17. 
and, uh, and God uses one of these little known and apparently unlikely people to do something great for God. Not just for God himself, but also for his people. And so this young man seemed uh, long forgotten, not even noticed. And yet he was lost in the shuffle of life and in battle. First Samuel 17 verse 12 says this. It says, now David was the son of, of an Ephrathite named Jesse who was from Bethlehem in Judea or in Judah. And Jesse had eight sons and in Saul's time uh, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. And the firstborn was Eli Eliab, and the second uh, Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Interesting things that are happening here. We, some, don't, don't shut me out this morning because you've heard this 71.5 times in your life. Or maybe more than that, or you've read this story. But here's the, I've got three things for you this morning. And the first one is this. Age is seldom a limit God puts on people, young or old. Age is seldom a limit God puts on people, young or old. Now, this doesn't mean that age won't produce wisdom, but it usually does. And it also doesn't mean that vigor has to be limited to the young for even Caleb was ready to, as an elder, to take the promised land uh, with the rest. Whether they went or not, he was going, right? And so, so age is seldom a limit that God puts on people. The problem tends to be that we put it on other people and we can put it on ourselves. But lost in the shuffle is more than age. You, you can be lost in the shuffle because of life, and you need to realize that you are not lost to God. You are not. You, he, he knows exactly where you are. He knows what your situation is. He recognizes it down to the very last detail he knows and he's aware. And he still cares. Because sometimes we mess things up, right? But he still cares. So you got, you got to follow along with me here a little bit. David has seven older brothers, and his dad was fairly old at this point. I just imagine uh, that the oldest three brothers were quite a bit older than David, more than likely, right? And, and so it would have been kind of like they were out of the, out of the house now maybe. Uh, maybe the three oldest were probably out of the house, probably had their own families, even though they stayed tight-knit. And one way or the other, they, have been, they are quite mature, and he was just a young man still in his adolescence. We know that. So he's still in an adolescence. Some say 17. I don't know. Adolescence today goes to 26, right? But, but he's, he's, uh, he's a younger individual. And the oldest is Eliab, and then Abinadab, and then we have Shema, right? And so since their dad was up in years, Eliab would have been the one to lead in the every, every day with his father's direction. It's 
probably what happened. And if anything went wrong, Eliab would have been the responsible guy. He'd have been the one that had to work it out with his two brothers that were next to them and are next to him. They have to, they have to fix things, right? And probably at their dad's direction, Jesse's direction. They, they wanted to keep a good name in Bethlehem. They wanted to keep a good name uh, in Judah. That's just the way it would have been for them. And the last thing they wanted was a young punk brother messing things up for the most part. They, they, had, uh, they, had, they, were, they ignored the younger one or told him what to do, right? Well, they had the right, especially in that culture, that day and time. They had not only the right, they had really had the responsibility. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure the younger uh, brother felt a little shuffled by them at times, even though they that he respected them, because he would have respected them from what we see. And if you look at uh, verses 14 and 15 again, uh, it says this, David was the youngest, the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So he's out there, he's a shepherd boy. And this shows me at least one thing. David was not the leader, but he was a gopher. <laughs> have you ever been the gopher, right? Oh, we all have those opportunities to be a gopher. It doesn't matter who we are. We, we get to do our time in that, right? And the, the th thing about that is, is that you learn from those experiences, right? Uh, being a gopher is actually a wonderful thing. It doesn't feel like it at the time, but it can be a wonderful thing because it can teach us some very basic things that we need to know because once we know how to be a gopher, we can know how to lead gophers. <laughs> kind of sounds interesting. <laughs> kind of like that gopher over in building B over there. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about the groundhog. Don't worry. Some of you know what I mean. So may, maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, David had a little bit more responsibility than the guys in the middle, right? The brothers in the middle. We know that he has uh, some middle brothers there. And so those, those guys, they probably were doing some business at home. Maybe they were doing farming and those kind of things. Uh, and they didn't have to mess with the things that David did because he was the low man on the pole, so to speak. And uh, so we, here we have, he, he ends up becoming a, a, a messenger and he's supposed to take food to his brothers out there. That is his responsibility. His dad had set him up to do that. Uh, and, uh, and we see that. But, uh, and this was, it seemed like a menial task, but it was pretty important to his dad, Jesse. And it was, real, it was really important to his brothers that were on the, on the front lines there uh, dealing with the, the Philistines. And it was, uh, it, was also, it was important to his brothers, and they may not have even noticed it was important to them until they come the day that he didn't bring them lunch. Look at Samuel chapter 17, verse 17. Now it says, Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this. Uh, ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and, and carry and hurry to their uh, camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit and see, see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. This, his dad want, wants to know, how are, how are my sons doing, oldest sons? Uh, they're with, and then it goes on to say, they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. 
So did David's mundane service reduce his value? Absolutely not. It did not reduce his value whatsoever. And he was being shuffled around like checkers on a checkerboard and really didn't, it didn't take away his value. And that's just the reality. Maybe, maybe that's the way uh, you, you feel at work. Maybe you feel like you've lost your value at work or at school because you're shuffled around. You know, you have things that you have to do. You have things that you have to accomplish. And you kind of wonder, in the scheme of things, does it really matter? Well, yes, actually, every job, everything that we do does really matter. The mundane is important. If somebody doesn't do mundane, the, a lot of the other things aren't going to be done that are necessary to live in this life. Maybe that's the way you feel in retirement. If you're re retired, you may feel shuffled and your value that has, seems to be reduced in your situation. There's no, there's no time limit on your value as a human being, whether you're born or unborn. There is no limitation of value. And whether you're old or young, highly skilled or low skilled, God sees the same and you are valued by him. It doesn't matter who you are. David, we see this guy, he, I'm sure he felt a little lost in the shuffle himself. And David knew his covenant between him and God. He knew what Israel's covenant was between God and them. And he wasn't going to let others, uh, what others thought or they didn't think, stop him from following God's path. And yet David wasn't egotistical. He wasn't pushy either in this whole scenario. And he respected those over him and God blessed him for it. He was willing to do the mundane. He was willing to do those things that his dad said, hey, take care of this. Uh, and his older brothers told him to take care of. But David did what he was asked to do and he took care of his business. Then we see there in verse 20, it says this. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. And he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. That's what they did. Back in the day, it was different. And, and so uh, then the next verse, Israel and the uh, Philistines were drawing up their uh, lines facing each other. And David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. So the second thing here this morning is this. When God gives you direction, follow through. If it's mundane, it may be just the simple things. Uh, uh, Jesse gave David some direction and he followed through. And so he was following God's design. God's design was the father is supposed to direct the, the, the son. And so we have to be willing to do the mundane. And then, then he even ran to the front lines to check on his brothers like his dad had told him. That's, that's where he goes, and he was, just, he was actually doing his duty, right? He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. That's what David was doing. And so he gets there, and it's kind of, kind of, kind of lost in the shuffle, yet he was following orders. But what followed was too much for him to set aside from his mind. He just couldn't do it. He 
overheard some things happening and he couldn't push it off to the side because it, it got him right in the heart. He, he knew in his spirit, he knew that this wasn't right and it, God had a plan and, and, and so he couldn't push it aside. He couldn't ignore the statements that he would hear shortly. And look what it says in verse 23 here. In verse 23, as he was talking with them, he's talking to his brothers, right? Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out uh, uh, from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, because that's what he'd been doing, uh, and David heard it. So David hears it now. He hears this statement that this guy's making, and, and whenever the Israelites saw the man, they, they all fled from him in great fear. These guys were scared. Because the guy's tall, right? And, and we know from the previous uh, verses earlier that the defiance that he, he was throwing down was this. He, basically, he's like, okay, this is going to be a man against man war. Mono against mono, hand against hand, uh, me against the other person. And of course, we know it should have been Saul from his size and all that kind of stuff or somebody else. But yeah, this wasn't good, was it? I had to wait just here a little bit. David was simply lost in the shovel, real, a shuffle, really unnoticed by anybody. You know, he, he's not really, people really probably didn't pay much attention to him. And he leaves the sheep that he had been tending with another shepherd, probably a younger person. Even though he's the youngest, maybe they had other people, maybe the neighbor boy stepped in. Or maybe one of the middle kids stepped in and said, yeah, we'll take this while you run errands for dad. I don't know, but he drops, and then he, he uh, heads out, and uh, then he gets to, to Sukkot and uh, Judah, where the battle lines were set up, and now he drops his supplies off with the supplies officer. He gives it to them, and, and he runs to check on his brothers like their dad had asked, so he's doing what his dad told him. He goes there, and it's a simple, mundane day for him. But I'm sure it was exciting for this young David to get to the fighting lines. And I'm sure that David probably was not the only young person out there running for their siblings or fellow family members. They're probably running food back and forth. Uh, because I don't think they had a mess hall like our military has. And I don't know that they had MREs in their pack or in their pockets to take care of them when they were on the front lines. And so they're, 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 he's, they're running up, and David's probably just like some of the other, uh, other lads. And I, and I doubt that they had the needs that they needed, except they brought it. And nothing really sets David apart, I don't think. What really, what really sets us apart? What sets us apart as individuals? But God has his finger on David's pulse. And God has his finger on your pulse as well. And he won't take that off. Now David heard Goliath for himself. He saw the reaction of fear on the Israelite warriors as they ran away from Goliath's challenge. Could you put yourself in that position for just a second? Be real honest with yourself. What are you going to do? You're, you're supposed to, okay, let's say this is like Israel where men and women both have to serve in military. Everybody does it. And, and so you are on the front lines. You, you have to do it. You have no choice. You are there. And this guy is defying everybody. And you're probably like everybody else. You probably want to say, it's not me. It's you, man. 
you're bigger than me. You got 10 pounds on me. That's better than anything, you know, better than what I have. I don't know. Put yourself in that position. It wouldn't have been the greatest saying it. And so David hears him, and David asks, in, in verse 26, he says this. David asks the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? So David knows right away in his heart that this wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's plan for Goliath to take them over. And he would have known the covenant that Israel had with God. He knew Goliath had no covenant with God like he had. And the guys around David told how Goliath was taunting them. So you can read that when you see the whole chapter and every detail about it. They knew what was happening. And so they kind of tell what's happening David has a problem because he's lost in the shuffle of this whole thing. And maybe you feel like that at times, that you're lost in the shuffle. And it's like, God, I don't know how you're going to put all these things together in my life. How in the world could anybody see this nobody? See, we have 2020, right? We have hindsight's 2020. We can look back on the situation and we can say, oh, well, yeah, but we know what's going to happen. They didn't know what's going to happen. David had no idea what was going to happen. His brothers had no idea. If his brothers knew what happened, they would have said, come on, man, step right up to the punch, get this guy and knock him out, right? They didn't do that. Absolutely not. They did not do that. So these guys around David told him how Goliath was taunting them, and David has this problem. How in the world could anybody see this? Nobody. If, if you read on to this account here in verse 28, it says in 1 Samuel 17, it says when Eliab, Eliab uh, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. That dude was mad. And it said, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Wow. Put yourself in that situation. Put yourself as being David at that point in time. Uh, my goodness, Eliab, he flew off the handle, and he's the oldest, and he tries to put David in his place. What about, what about Eliab? What would it be like for him? He's trying to think, hey, I'm the firstborn here. I've got to be responsible. Dad told me that I've got to take care of all these things, and that means I'm over this young kid brother, and so i got to make sure that he doesn't do anything that is foolish, let alone try to fight a giant. That would be stupid. Really, wouldn't it be? So Eliab is saying this. He's saying this to David. He's saying, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your place. Don't, don't be moving out of your place. Aren't you just a shepherd and we're fighting men? Doesn't he kind of say that the way he talks about him? What about your sheep back there? Then he questions David's motives even, right? 
he questions his motives and he calls David conceited and he told, told him the only reason you came was to see the battle. Sure, the, the young men would have wanted to see the battle. I'm sure they're growing, they're trying to come of age and they want to uh, be responsible as men, but it's more than that, right? I bet the other young men that were probably runners for them, they probably wanted to see what was happening too. But God had his hand on David and David was more than aware of what was happening. It's like he knew God was doing something. He realized God's going to do something in this situation and we can't just let it go. We can't just let it come, uh, come apart here. And uh, God had his hand on him. And, and uh, not only this, but he was willing to move forward with it. That's why he started wondering and asking questions as he did. Have you ever been in that place before? Where you wondered and asked questions on something. It's like, I don't know, is this, is this really supposed to be the situation? Sometimes people know some, uh, some things happening. They, they know something's happening, but they, they focus so much on the manual, right? They focus so much on the manual that they can't, uh, they can't, they can't function. There's an old Ar army manual quote, and uh, for those of you that serve or have served, you may enjoy this. But this old quote says this, and it, it's, it's lingo. I'm not going to give you the numbers and stuff in it, but it says this. It says, tent pegs, aluminum. Nine inches long, must be painted orange. Okay, that's nice. The bright color pro provides an easy means of locating the pegs under various light and climactic conditions uh, during field use. When bright orange pegs are used, they much, must be driven into the ground completely out of sight. Now, sure, I understand that, right? You're driving them all the way down into the ground so the enemy doesn't see the orange pegs, right? That's why you're doing that. But that's kind of what Eliab and his brothers wanted David to do to stay out of sight. They, want, they wanted him driven into the ground, stay out of sight. But God had different plans in this situation. God was doing something different. And he was going to work through David's life and work through God's people's lives and and David was lost in the shuffles, and his brothers wanted it to stay that way, right? Maybe you're lost in the shuffle, and others want you to stay that way. And maybe you want to stay that way yourself. Sometimes that happens too, right? Sometimes it's not just others, but sometimes it's we ourselves that try to get ourselves, no, no you can't do that. That's not your place. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. Let him do what he desires to do in and through your lives. You know, it, it's very possible that there's people around you in your life, around in, in this world that say, you can't share your faith like that. You can't say that. You can't do that. And, and that's all fine and good that they can say that. Hey, we live in a free country, but it is a free country. And so we can share our faith. We can share what Christ has done for us. And and let God do what he wants to do in your life. You, you have to remember this last point, though, too. And that's the third one here. It's lost in the shuffle does not mean powerless. Have you thought about that? David was not powerless. Now, it appeared like 
he was powerless because of his situation, right? He's the shepherd boy. He's the gopher. Uh, and uh, that's just simply what he's doing. He's got to be a gopher. And so David seemed to be stuck really in a precarious situation. And maybe he felt powerless, yet his voice was still heard. Just because you feel lost doesn't mean you are. And even if others see you as lost, maybe even a lost cause doesn't mean that you are. If you stay faithful to God, if you trust in him, he will stay faithful to you. And look at what God does here for David and some of these next verses. In verse 29, it says this. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? And, and he, then he turned away to someone else and uh, brought up the same matter. And, and the men answered him as before. So basically they're ask, answering him just like David's brothers, Eliab and the others, are, have answered him. And what David said, there in verse 31, said, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. Okay, some things are happening. Things are moving now. David even talked to some other guys about this situation, and the men answered him as before. They shut him down, basically, and oh, they put him off. And like his brothers, they were just saying, stay in your lane, shepherd boy. Stay in your lane. But someone heard by faith. Someone listened and overheard David, and they heard by faith. They realized that something was happening. They knew that the lost person in the shuffle does not mean powerless. They knew that God had something to do there, and he was going to. So this guy, with the, with the ear of faith, he took the message back to King Saul. He gets back to Saul and tells him, hey, there, there's, there's a young kid out here, that, and uh, we need to talk to him because he seems like he has some things together. It seems like he knows that this is God's fight and not our fight. And so what happens, but he connects him to Saul. Saul comes over to him. And, uh, and Saul takes the time to work through the details with David. But even Saul really did have to be convinced here. And so how could David fight without armor? So 1 Samuel 17 verse 38 says this, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put, a, he put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. David uh, fastened on the, his sword over his tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. Let me try to get used to this stuff. Have you ever been in that kind of case? You're like, you're trying, maybe you're, you're trying to do something and, and it's new to you and you're trying to put things on and it's not easy and it's like, I don't know about this. And so then it, he goes on with this and he says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul. He's talking to the king now, right? And he really is kind of taking a chance, but he's already taking a big enough chance. They're all going to be wiped out if they're not careful. And he, says, uh, he said, because I am not used to them, so he took them off. He made the choice to take them off, and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of, his, of the, his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. See, the person who's lost in the shuffle and has the, uh, they, they may not have the traditional know-how. 
They may not have the traditional know-how. We live in an interesting time. And the facts are the traditional know-how may not always produce the same results that they produced before. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to walk with us, and allow us to keep moving in His way and His plan. We live in a different world. God is doing some things, and we need to pay attention to what He's doing. They, they, they may have to, and here you see David, it's kind of interesting. Uh, he, he tries out the armor with res, he, giving Saul respect, right? He respects him, and finally he takes the armor off, and he picked up what he knew. He picked up what he knew and what he was used to, right? Because that's what he was, a shepherd, and so he had to protect himself, and he had to t protect the sheep out in the and the pastures, and that's what he did, right? And, it, and we know from what the scripture says that, you know, he took down the bear and the lion and such. And, and so it's, he, he was ready to do what was necessary, but that's not what you did in a military uh, campaign, right? No, this, that's, that's, uh, they, they had swords. They had, they had the full thing. They, they didn't have missiles, but they had swords, and they had spears, and they had the stuff that was metal on it. And they, if he knew anything, he knew the sling and he knew the stones. David, this young man who may have appeared forgotten and powerless, yet God said, I have not forgot him. He's not forgotten you. I have my finger on his pulse and, I'm, and I keep him going. See, David wasn't powerless. You are not powerless. At times you may feel like it in the world that you live in and say, I don't know how I can really do anything. If you follow Jesus, then you can do anything that he has you to do because he will provide the strength, the provision, or whatever it is that he needs you to do. That's why we must stay connected to him. We must stay uh, open to him and allow him to work in our lives. And this young guy wasn't powerless. And, and, and he, had a, he had a covenant with God and he trusted him by faith. He believed that God was, was more than was needed to work through what God had provided for him, which was to fight this, this, uh, this uh, Goliath. And what did David end up doing? He ends up approaching Goliath. And later we find... Goliath's final words, right? But before he did that, Goliath too said, you aren't powerful. He said, you can't do this. There's no way you can or your God or anything because uh, I will crush you. It reminds me, I was, went to my parents this weekend, and when I uh, came this one particular route, because it was sleeting, right? It was kind of rough on Friday, and I come back and I'm looking and, and I was such a cool sight. I'm driving along on the highway down by the Delaware River and, and there I see this huge bird. I mean, huge bird. And I'm like, wow, that's big. It looks like a turkey almost, but it's a wrong color. And, and as I'm, well, it stands like a, you know, it stands like a, uh, like a, um, uh, a falcon or a, um, what's the other guys? Hawk. Yeah, hawk. And so, so it's standing there, and I look again, I said, and I get closer and closer, and I look, and then there was one, another one was down with his head down. It was a bald eagle. And the, and the, and the big brown one was the, the younger bald eagle, right? It was sitting there, I guess, guarding the older one. I don't know. 
and they had prey there. And so, and so when I think of that, I think of Goliath and, and him saying, you know what, I'm going to feed you and all your people to the birds of the air. You're done, man. There's nothing you can do. But Goliath fell, pride and all. He fell. And God did his work in his way at that time. You need to remember these things today. Age is a limit. God seldom puts on people, whether you're young or old. God can work through you if you're willing to allow him. Learn to be faithful. If you feel forgotten and lost in the shuffle, remember that God still has his finger on your pulse. He keeps your pulse going. He still has his hand on your life. And when God gives you direction, follow through. Be faithful, willing, uh, uh, be a faithful person willing to follow God's plan for you and willing to do the mundane because that's where you learn to follow best. We all learn there, don't we? We learn to follow in those places, and then as God gives us those opportunities, then we open our hearts up and allow uh, Him to work through us. Finally, the last, uh, finally, lost in the shuffle does not mean that you are powerless. Put your trust in Christ. Put your faith in Him. He will not let you be ignored for long. Let Him work through your life. Let him work through you. Allow him to work in your life. So I don't know how God can really work through me at this stage of my life or this situation or setting. The fact is, is God is always willing. God is always willing. We just must be willing. We must be a little bit like David at times. Yeah, David was the young, the young guy that was willing to, to step out and to do something unusual. Thank God for him. Thank God for him. The older guys had it all figured out, right? And that was the problem sometimes. Sometimes we have the problem, well, we know what's going to happen if we do this or this or this. Yeah, sometimes that happens because we've lived around, got some wisdom and all those kind of things, right? And that's all fine and good. But there's times when we have to step away from that and understand that God wants to do something in his own way. And he wants to work through our lives and we need to be willing to walk with him. We'll, all, we'll always have time to do the things in order in the specific ways we want, but we need God to work in our lives today. We're in a time that we need to become giant killers. We don't, we don't need to be food for the crows. We need to be giant killers. We need to allow God to work in our lives because we have not, we, we have not been chosen just to sit down and to do nothing. We've been chosen for such a time as this, each and every one of us. There's not a person here in this place is, who has not been chosen for this time. There's not a person online that has not been chosen for this time. It is what are we gonna do with what God has given us? Are we gonna walk with him and allow him to work? Are we gonna speak up when it's time to speak up? Are we going to say something to the others even and be respectful as we do that, right? Because we had to be respectful, even David was. He just kept on asking. So God can do the things that he wants to do. We need to allow God to work in us and be willing to yield ourselves to him again. Father, we need you this day. 
Father, we need you more than anything in our lives. We need you more than anything in this world. And Father, we ask you to continue to fill us. May you empower us for your service in the days that we live. You have called us for such a time as this. We are not here for no reason. We are here with purpose. You have called each and every one of us for purpose. You have called each and every one of us to be able to serve you. And Father, this day we choose. We mark our line in the concrete, Lord. And we say from this day forward, we are yours. And we are trusting you to do the great things that you want to do. The good things that you want to do. We choose to be faithful, Lord. We choose to follow you. We realize we're not powerless because you have a plan. Father, thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Let God work in your hearts.